All right, listen up, spuds. This is Zap Brannigan, eh? master of time, space, and everything else in between. And, uh, oh, yeah, winner of this year's Modesty Award. Yeah. You're listening to You Suck. What's the difference with Al and Tom? You're one stop for this sort of thing. Yeah. Hey guys, how's it going? Welcome to You Sucks What's the Difference podcast with me, Alex Whiteley. <laughs> and me, Tom Bruno. I think Tom's laughing so much because he's not slept for about 30 hours and we're doing probably one of the... I don't know how... So my, my, we sort this interview out yesterday uh, with one of the most famous people I think we've ever had on this podcast and it's happened so miraculously. I think Tom feels like he's in a dream. So uh, we are bringing to you today... Um, a star from one of the most controversial documentaries of all time, The Tiger King. We're bringing you Carol Baskin. Thank you so much, Carol, for bringing it, uh, for coming on. You know, you cool cats and kittens. Thank you for having me. Oh, you said it. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Okay. We had a quick brief uh, before we did this. Me and Tom on our own. We were kind of like, okay, obviously, um, you probably fed, I don't know if you're fed up of hearing about Tiger King and, that, and all, that, all that stuff that went on. Um, but obviously, it's, we can't not talk about it because it was one of the biggest events of, I'd say, the last last lockdown. It kind of got me through lockdown, i got to say. Um, Absolutely. But what I would like to know, Carol, is exactly what was real and what wasn't real for you uh, with that documentary. What did they lie about? Did they get you wrong? What did they get you wrong about, you know? What was that all like for you? Yeah, it was like, what, seven hours of Tiger King. And so I actually watched it seven times and then created a page at bigcatrescue.org slash Netflix that went into all of the lies that pertain to me. Now, I couldn't even tell you how many lies were told pertain to other people, but just the things that I had evidence that I could show that this was a lie or this was taken out of context or this was stitched together to make you think something was happening when something else actually was what was being filmed. And it would just, it would take me seven hours to go through all of that. So I'm hoping people will check into that themselves. But I think the most important thing that Tiger King missed is the fact that for five years, we thought we were working on a documentary that would show the abuse in people paying to have their pictures made with cute little cubs. And then how those cats end up being discarded and that that creates a legal smokescreen for illegal activities like poaching, which is causing us all to lose the tiger. That's what we thought we were working on. And instead, people got that freak show that was Tiger King. So that was my my biggest concern as far as what was misportrayed in this in this program that we had spent so much time trying to educate the producers as to the issues. And then it was just just a i don't know i don't even know what to call that a mockumentary a, a travesty essentially because i mean if if anyone does pay attention to conservation we all know that you know tiger population is decreasing in a lot of places i mean luckily now in some places in india it is starting to pick back up a little bit but people like you are doing the real work which is you know taking away from people that make money off these amazing animals and that's that's a beautiful thing i saw i was reading and you could probably correct me if i if i misquote um it said that essentially you're trying to work yourself out of a job is that correct 
Yes. I mean, everybody who is in the business of rescuing big cats from horrible situations wants the day to come very quickly where we don't have to rescue these magnificent cats from awful situations. We just shouldn't have awful situations. Yeah. And so that's what we've been working for for the last nearly 30 years is to try and end the cub petting, in the private possession, in the nasty little roadside zoos. And once you do that, then you can really focus on saving these cats in the wild. But it's like, it's like trying to mop up your floor while you still have the pipe exploding through the wall that's dumping water on the floor. It's like you got to turn off the water first before you can mop up the mess. And that's the, the situation that we're in on a global scale right now with tigers and all of the big cats. And I'd say on the, on the larger scale, sorry, Tom, sorry, the larger scale attractions as well. Like, I mean, we, I've been to safari parks. I've been to zoos. I went to Dudley Zoo last lockdown. It was a great day. There were tigers there when I looked at them. And, you know, people go, oh, no, I'm not going to the zoo. I'm not going to the zoo. And then, and then like, you know, places like Chester Zoo, uh, which is one of the oldest zoos in, 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 the, in the world, um, uh, and they're like, and they do a lot for conservation. So even though they're, they're this, there's this terrible place where they keep animals and cages and these enclosures, they're, they're doing all this. Work. I don't know if they're like that's the way they they sort of you know uh, calm their karma a little bit. I don't know, you know, doing lots of conservation and then caging animals. You know? Yeah, I mean that's the excuse that zoos have used for the last two hundred years for their existence, especially the last I'd say fifty to a hundred years is that they are this arc that is saving these animals from extinction. But conservation is not keeping an animal in a cage. Conservation is keeping the habitats intact so that they can sustain the life necessary for them to be intact. And you don't have a healthy ecosystem without these apex predators in each of those ecosystems. So I think zoos have set the stage for an awful lot of the abuse that you see in these little roadside zoos or in private menageries by convincing the public that we have to have zoos, we have to have animals in cages in order to save them, and that breeding them and having those cute little cubs on display is a good thing when none of those cute little cubs are ever going to be set free. They can't be set free legally and Morally, it would be wrong because their mothers would have to raise them for years, teaching them how to survive in the wild for them to be able to succeed. So all of the things that we've been taught about zoos and their role in conservation has been a lie. And even though they do donate to conservation efforts in order to say that they donate to conservation effort, it's typically about 3% of their income. Well, <laughs> Why, why don't we take the other 97% of that and actually put it into something that's conserving wildlife for all of us and making the planet a better place? And that's been what I've been trying to do is to show zoos that they don't have to go out of business. They just need to reinvent themselves. And you could set Internet streaming cameras in the wild, capturing these cats, doing what they do and tokenize that so that you have to have a subscription token to be able to see that that feed from that particular camera. And then all of the money that comes in from those subscriptions should go back into those local economies so that they have a reason to want to protect the animals that are in that area and they're not cutting down the forest or turning it into farmland and trying to eke out a, an existence on that sort of subsistence farming when what they're really trying to do is take care of their families. They want to 
eat, they want to have clothing, they want to have shelter, and they should be able to have that by virtue of providing the rest of us around the world with access through virtual reality to see those magnificent animals living free the way they were intended. Now, I've not been a fan of zoos for a long time. I, I've been watching documentaries um, as long as I can remember. I've always been very interested in, in animals and wildlife. And I wish my daughter was here right now because she'd go over the moon. She, even my daughter knows who you are, Carol, which is phenomenal. Me. She, she loves animals to death. And I always try to keep my eyes open to recognize what exactly is a bad place for these amazing animals to be like, you know, I, I don't go to zoos for the specific reason because I know how, how much territory does it, does the average tiger require to live? In India, it would be about a hundred square miles in Russia. It would be more like 400 square miles. So there's not a single cage anywhere that gives a cat the kind of space they need. Have you ever come across a zoo that you're like, okay, at least they're trying the only zoos that I have seen that I didn't um, oppose the very nature of them being there were rescue zoos. So they were zoos that rescued animals from awful situations and gave them a place where they could live out the rest of their lives. But they weren't buying or breeding or selling and doing those kinds of things. So I think the um, was it the Henry Dorley Zoo and there was another one out in the Midwest that was known for doing that. But it's it's really rare that you see a zoo being truly a rescue facility and not breeding because that's what the public wants to see. They want to see those cute little babies and that's what they're going to pay to see. And the zoo community will sell out every time in order to get those patrons. So maybe a place like Big Cat Rescue that actually does put in the work and actually rescues these cats from horrible places that they are being like bred to have pictures taken. That would be a place to go view these animals and knowing you, not that I know you, but knowing who you are and how much you care for them, that would be a place to possibly go see them if, if you're not able to go see them in the wild, of course, because generally speaking, they're kind of hard to see, right? I mean, like... um I remember watching uh, this documentary. They they wanted to catch, um, I believe it was Planet Earth. They said one of the hardest things they ever shot ever was catching um, a Siberian tiger in the wilderness because they're so incredibly elusive. Um, is, is that really the case? Like, is, is it almost impossible to see one of these in the wild, or is it just something that's a misconception? No, it used to be true. Um, like I've heard people that have worked on protecting snow leopards in the wild who said that they were protecting snow leopards for 10 years, trying to get a single picture of one <laughs> couldn't because they're so elusive. And, um, you know, when you say, well, would be cat rescue be an alternative to a zoo? It's only a temporary measure. It, we shouldn't have to be here at all. We shouldn't have to be rescuing these animals from these God awful places. So, you know, once we end that problem, and we've we've already seen this happening, like at our peak, we had 200 animals back in the 90s. Now we have something like 46. And as um, new laws are being passed in states, and when our federal bill passes, I really expect within the next 10 years or so, most of the cats that we have here will have died out. And they won't be, there won't be a reason to be rescuing cats from horrible situations in the US. But as far as the access goes, I think there's a disparity right now between wealthy people and poor people being able to experience wild animals. If you can afford to go to the zoo or if you can afford to go on tiger safari, then you can see a wild animal. But 
if it weren't possible to pay $10 and go to a zoo, which is really cheap, but if you couldn't even pay to see an animal in a cage, then the only way you could see that animal was through these internet streaming cameras, then it democratizes it for the entire world because the entire world then has access to be able to see these animals living free the way they should be. And you're not taking a shortcut of, but I want to see it in a cage because I want to be sure I get a good look at it. You know, that is just so selfish and so, so disrespectful for who these animals are that we would demand that over having a healthy planet where these animals are actually living their best lives. Very well put. And, you know, speaking of healthy planet, we've, we're have we huge fans of conservation, genuinely. Uh, we spoke to Niall McCann a while ago, who um, he's the uh, he's head of conservation at National Park Rescue. And we were talking about um, they have the, this great big um, plot of land that was getting ravaged by poachers. And all they did was save up some money. Obviously, it's a charity. Turn up, build some roads so they can get up and down and patrol it. That's all they did. They were like, we are here. The poachers disappeared. And I think conservation's up by 98%. Wow. You know, this, and so like you start there and then you have obviously the, the work that you guys are doing in America, uh, sl- slowing down the trade and stopping people from getting these cats, animals, not just tigers, monkeys, uh, exotic animals, uh, you know, reptiles, all these things that people just want and they shouldn't have. Um, and, you know, you're saying it's, there's laws being put into place. But you think about what's going on behind those laws. What's going on that's illegal that we're just not seeing because it's still happening, right? It must be. The poaching is still happening. One of the things we've seen from, we do bobcat rehab and release. So the only cats that are legal to release back to the wild are the ones that are born in the wild. And we do a lot of bobcats that have been hit by cars or shot by hunters or poisoned. We fix them up, send them back to the wild. And then we place cameras out where we release them. And we have caught so many poachers that way. And so if you had a habitat, if you think of like Ranthambore Forest, where they have a, a tiger preserve, where the tigers are protected, and they, they fund it currently from very wealthy people being able to go there and chase the cats around in Jeeps, which I think really, you know, it, it's got to be hard on the cats to be hunting when they've got six Jeep loads of people trying to take their picture while they're doing it. But imagine if all of those places that they know those cats frequent, they just set up 360 degree internet streaming live 24 seven cameras that then capture everything that's happening, you're going to catch the poachers too. So it's going to, it's not only going to serve the purpose of providing entertainment for people who want to be able to see those animals. It's also going to catch those animals. Put some telecom on the trees as well. Oi, dickhead, I see you. Put the gun down. Put the gun down. Step away. We have you on CCTV, sir. We have you. Step away from the animal, okay? We'll follow you on CCTV all the way home, and we'll be waiting for you. Put it away. Off you go. You know, that'd be quite fun. That's the um, one I want. Um, I, I think that the first big strike against the illegal poaching was probably the circus, right? Like nowadays, um, I mean, at least where around where I live there, there are virtually no circuses anymore. There's no more traveling animals. I mean, once again, I, I have a very myopic view. I live in Northern Vermont, like right on the Canadian border. So like, where do you live? Uh, Vermont, man. Like, well, see, the thing is like when you mentioned Bobcats, I'm like, oh, I just really saw one the other day when I was driving my car, like they crossed the road. I'm like, oh, hey going on the only thing i've yet to see actually is um is a cougar i have yet to see a cougar even though they're in canada they're supposed to be in new hampshire 
but like they're not here. But if you ask any local, they'll be like, oh, you're crazy. They're everywhere. You just got to know where to look and all that good jazz. Um, is Okay. So from my extremely myopic view, they don't have circuses that tour up here. Like they're, they don't, the usually nowadays, like they try to do things like they'll have like virtual animals. That's like the more supported thing. At least like if, like if I had friends that were like, oh, I'm going to the circus, they, w- they wouldn't be caught dead. Um, going to one with actual animals. So you're telling me that's not correct at all. Like people are still toying around with these animals in little ass cages. Well, I think it's interesting. And that's why I said, where do you live? Because in places where people are known to be smarter, they have access to the internet, um, they have access to cities, those people in those areas absolutely abhor the idea of beating and shocking an animal into performing in a circus act. But there are places in the Midwest and in America where it's like these people are living 50 years behind us and they just either don't know or don't care how these animals are treated. And it's a whole different world. But there are a lot less circuses than there were 10 years ago. Haven't haven't these people seen what happened to Siegfried and Roy when you even when if you treat an animal okay? Because, I mean, every you know, everything I ever heard about those guys is they care about their animals per se. I'm throwing up some quotes there. Um, even people that care about their animals can get seriously injured. What do you think is going to happen to a couple assholes? They're like, oh, come here, man. Let's go. Well, let's go act in front of a crowd. I mean, these are these are wild, beautiful animals that they're trying to make, you know, prance in front of people. What do they think the outcome is going to be? You know, I heard somebody say one time that the reason people go to car races is because they're hoping to see a crash. And I wonder if that's the same thing with circuses. Everybody goes hoping to see the tiger tamer finally get his due. And I, I just believe that that's got to be the only thing that still drives people to go and see that kind of oh, that's my worst activity. When that, when, that, when that chick is, that is like swinging on the big loop and stuff up in the sky, I'm like, please don't fall. I will never live this down. I, will, I won't survive. I won't survive. <laughs> PTSD from going to the circus. I've been to the circus. Obviously, in the UK, things are different. And we get like Russian circuses, American circuses, all these kind of anybody that's got this, um, you know, these kind of uh, any any sort of tricks and trades of the the trade they can bring out. And it's usually stunts. You don't see elephants or tigers or any animals. Uh, One of the things I hate, which most parents are, are, are guilty for, is petting zoos. Petting zoos for me, I imagine, you know, so you see that, that scene in Toy Story in the nursery when all the kids come in and they're like, ah, all the toys banging them on stuff. I imagine those kids have had their fingers up my nose, they've been eating ice cream, they've been doing, kids aren't clean, and yet they're sticking them in the faces of sheep and animals. And I'm thinking that, mm, no, sorry, those poor animals. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And now, you know, we're finding from COVID-19 that these zoonotic diseases are a real threat to the entire planet. And yeah. whenever you're in, you know, introducing people and exotic animals that don't usually come in contact without somebody getting killed in the meanwhile, that something bad is going to come of that. No, 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 no. Tom, this is a question that you very uh, cleverly asked me uh, to ask Carol while you suggested it. Um, We wanted to talk about uh, tiger conservation pre-Carol Baskin. What kind of mess did you have to clean up when you first stepped into the arena? In in America. In America, yeah. Uh, Well, we don't have any tigers in America. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. In yeah, but say if I remember correctly, um, doesn't Texas have like the highest concentration of tigers in the world, or something like that? Or is that an, uh, um, an outdated uh, poll? 
No, I think that's probably still true. It was always Texas, Florida, and Ohio. And then a few years ago, I, Ohio actually passed a ban after the um, Zanesville massacre where the guy turned loose 56 lions, tigers, bears, and other dangerous animals. So they got a new law after that. But um, if you think about 1992, which was when we came on the scene, I didn't know anything about big cats. I started out rescuing native bobcats and releasing them when I was 17. So that was like back in the 70s. And then um, in the 90s was the first time that I had seen a bobcat being sold at an auction. And she was being sold to a taxidermist who was going to kill her and stuff her. And so that was what started the sanctuary here was she came home with us. And then the following year, we rescued 56 bobcats and lynx off a fur farm and then 28 and then 22 more off another fur farm. And then we started working on the Canadian fur farms to get all of the cats out of there. And we essentially closed down all of the fur farms in the U.S. that were killing cats. They're still mink farms and fox farms, but not cats. Thank you. Um, But then people started calling and saying, would you take my lion? Would you take my tiger? And I could not believe what I was hearing. It was like, there's no freaking way people in America have lions and tigers. And they did. And it was legal. And it was just like, I, I felt like, well, I can fix this because this is the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Yeah. And it, it's been nearly 30 years trying to fix that now. I, I thought it was going to be a whole lot easier to fix. Do you think one of the biggest problems that we face is very prominent athletes and actors own these animals first? I mean, wasn't there a, I mean, of course, like very famously, Mike Tyson had uh, tigers, which made it look very attractive and very cool. Like, oh, I want to be like Mike. I can have a tiger too. What's what's so hard about it? He's only, you know, a boxer. Um, But then there was, um, what was that? What was that movie that was made? Um, Was it called Roar? Yeah, yeah, that's what it was. The Hangover. No, Roar, I think it was. um, I can't believe you saw Roar. Yeah, 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 it's on YouTube. Trust me, everyone's seen it. If you if you care enough, you it's a travesty because they have like all these big cats living in a house, and they're just like, yeah, we'll just you know poke and prod them, and we'll just see what happens. Who was who was the lady actress that was in there? I'm trying to remember what her name was. Her Tippy dad Hedren. was. I'm sorry, say that again. Tippy Hedren. Tippy Hendren, thank you. Oh, see, she knows. Uh, Tippy Hendren's father was just nuts. And he's like, oh, I know. Let's put my 17-year-old daughter over here with a bunch of lions and tigers. And I think there was one of the, the highest accumulation of accidents on film that happened right from like, yeah, just play it out. Um, do you feel that with these type of prominent people owning these animals, that's you know probably one of the biggest uh, challenges that you face is that it makes it look so attractive? Yeah, and... It's interesting that, I mean, even you who are somebody who has clearly looked into this, you've seen Roar, which tells me you've done a lot of research. (laughs) And yet, you know, the first thing that you point out are, look at these celebrities, look at these athletes, look at these people that we all look up to who have these big cats. And yet the vast majority of people that I end up having to rescue cats from live in like a trailer and they have children they can't afford to feed and the cats in some dilapidated, you know, back room of the trailer that the floor is rotting out because of the cat urine. That's the reality of what it's like to really own those animals. Whereas the celebrities do a few posts that all of us see where, and Siegfried and Roy was famous for this too. They did that big Photoshop scene where all the cats are in the house. Those cats were not in the house. Oh, for crying out loud, there wouldn't have been a couch left in there if those cats had been running around in there. 
And yet people saw that image and thought, that's so cool. And this is what cool people do. And this is what rich people do. And so they try to emulate it by bringing home a pet tiger or a pet lion. And then they quickly figure out, you know, because that cat can be 200 pounds by the time it's a year old. They quickly figure out that it is not the romantic idea that they got from seeing that image on television or now it's social media. There's still a handful of just people that... It just make me so angry because they'll pose with some adult looking cat and hold themselves out as a lion whisperer or a tiger whisperer or a jaguar whisperer. And it's just a baby animal. And as soon as that animal gets to be four or five years old, it's going to be either killed or relegated to some tiny little prison cell while they play with the next baby and pretend that it's an adult in front of people. Not that I'm advocating for it at all, and trust me, I'm not. Um, but you mentioned people in trailers owning these cats. How much? And, and I really am not advocating. But how much do these cats go for that they can afford them? That, that I would imagine that tigers and lions must be hideously expensive. No, the reason is because the USDA says that you're not supposed to pet a cub under the age of eight weeks. People do it all the time, but you're not supposed to. And they also say you're not supposed to pet a cub over the age of twelve weeks. People do it up to about 16 weeks, and that's when they can start taking a finger off of you. But um, even at that, you've got about a two-month window that this cub can make literally hundreds of thousands of dollars for the people that are pimping them out that way. And as soon as they get to be 12 to 16 weeks and can take a finger off of a child, all of a sudden they go from being this very lucrative prop to being an animal who will cost them as much as $10,000 per year. That's what it costs us just in food and vet care, not any of the overhead of the sanctuary to take care of a single tiger. So once they get to be a liability like that, a lot of times they'll just give them away and they'll tell the people that they give them to, you know, we've been handling this since a baby and it's, you know, it gets along with everybody and you can raise it with your dog and your family. And it's going to be just like having a dog and, you know, any kind of a stupid person that thinks that they can raise a tiger as a pet. It's pretty easy to, to convince them that that's going to be the case. And now they don't have to worry about the expense of that cub. They've gotten rid of it. And so, like I said, usually within the first year or so is when people start turning to the sanctuaries looking to bail them out. So they they find, they find themselves way over their head like, oh, this is a wild animal that could kill me. I forgot about that when it was so cute and cuddly for a couple seconds. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I watched that series on, on Netflix. I think, it, I think it was possibly because of Joe Exotic. I think it was one of those documentaries that was kind of like, oh, he's on that too. And it's about people that keep dangerous animals. And there was a woman that had a, a, a chimpanzees and one of them became psychotic and started killing all the others. She couldn't get rid of it and nobody wanted it and she was struggling with it and it was isolated. This poor chimpanzee that was just on its own nobody could go in to really see it because it was just a, a, a psychopath. It was like obviously uh, isolation has just made it worse as well. You know, uh, people, these are, these are animals we shouldn't really be messing with. You know, I was just looking at the UK, uh, what's going on in the UK. And apparently there, there are around 4,825 dangerous wild animal licenses across 136 UK local authorities. But most of them are for venomous Snakes and spiders, things like that. You need to have a, a license for that. But there are only around 200... Uh, it says here, I don't know how... It's from theface.com. Uh, it says about, there's about 200 big cats in the UK. So wow. that's not as bad as America. 
isn't there a rumor that um like there's a black leopard like i always hear about black leopards being in the uk like that's the big rumor oh, all the time is, is that some true? guy's really fat cat just climbing over the <laughs> It's like caught on the CCTV, like, ooh. (laughs) Yeah, I get a lot of emails about that black cat, let me tell you. Yeah, (laughs) really? Sure, there's a black cat over there. We hear about it all the time, these things. And you know what? There were cats. There were wild cats in the UK at some point. And, and silly things, like they're trying to, they have actually in Shropshire, I think it, I believe it's Shropshire, introduced beavers into the wild because that's they were they were native to the UK, but like just killed out into extinction. Yeah, silly course. little things that, you know. The fur trade, man. The fur trade was so lucrative. You got to think that like at one point up in Canada, like, you know, fur was worth its weight in gold. That's all people do is fur trap for beavers because everything was made out of it, you know, hats, boots, mittens, everything was made out of fucking beaver. So uh, yeah, it's no wonder that animals were taken out. Of, like, but it's so interesting that you say that though, because I never think about. Once again, I live in the woods, in the middle of nowhere, and I see beavers like all the time. I'll go out in the woods, be like, oh shit, beaver, and they're mean. They're mean as fuck, dude. Like these beavers, dude. They they are cute as a button, but I, I'm sure as it is with big cats, of course, way more dangerous. But like, I'll be paddling in my canoe down the road, all of a sudden, smack. I'm like, what the fuck is that? And it'll be a beaver. And it'll charge right at me. And this is a beaver. So they make stuffed animals of these things. And I was like, oh, those things will fuck you up <laughs> really it's badly. It's the same as uh, badgers in this country. The, 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 the European badger, the black and white one, looks like it's going to invite you in for a cup of tea. But in actual fact... It will it will charge at you, and they're meant to be really nasty as well. They're meant to have a really nasty like, ah, you know. So I, I'd hate to meet a badger uh, down a dark alley one day. Um, Carol, oh, oh sorry, gone. No, I was going to say, um, with with hearing about the UK and hearing about America, and is because we both live in the, in these countries. Is there any countries that actually do it right? Any countries that completely like no, none of this uh, ownership of big cats or wild animals in general? Is it or is everyone kind of afflicted with it? I've heard of a number of countries who have taken the position of not allowing private ownership of big cats, Australia, um, the UAE, um, I'm pretty sure Saudi Arabia. And yet in each of those situations, even though they have made it in China, even um, they have made it illegal to privately own these animals. People either find loopholes around it or they bribe government officials in order to get away with having their particular pet because they're connected in some way. So I think it's a problem everywhere. But I mean, just like Alex just said, you've got maybe 200 big cats in the UK. And that's because back in the 70s is when the UK outlawed the private ownership of big cats. And so that really made a huge difference. In the US, we've got more than 200 big cats just in legitimate zoos, you know, AZA accredited zoos, there's 200 zoos and probably every one of them's got at least two tigers. So that's probably 400 cats right there. And then all of the thousands of them that are unregulated. So the UK has really taken the lead and, you know, they just need to clean up some of the little bits and pieces of their mess out there, like the circuses. And I think the circuses are like the biggest thing that just recently was uh, banned and so i'm glad to see that and hope to see that it's because we have a law for everybody america's like laws here different law here different law here we do this here this here this different over here california bah, do what you like uh, you know texas 
We won't take your guns, I swear. You know, it's weird to us as we see like all these different laws across the different states of America. That's why it's so fucked up, I think, in America, because you should have had one law for everybody. Sorry, Tom. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. To- no, 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 you're good. Um, okay, <laughs> so you, see, you threw me off my game by, by saying things, but I love America. Thank you very much. And um, even though we have some... Pr- thank you. Thank you. You should love America. We're awesome. We're, <laughs> we're your bastard stepchild. You should love us, even though we hate you back, I guess. I I don't know anyways um so if if it's not if how do zoos mainly get their animals because i understand how you get your animals you rescue them from people that you know get themselves into a big old fat mess and like oh i have this wild cat i can no longer care for how do zoos normally get? is it all poaching or, or what how do they generally get about their animals i know nothing about it the vast majority of exotic cats that are in the legitimate zoos are born in those zoos there used to be a lot of taking them from the wild and there was so much public outcry against that, that they've pretty much stopped doing that. You'll still hear from time to time about them doing that with elephants that they bring in because elephants breed so poorly in captivity that they have to keep going back to the wild. And what they'll say is, Oh, this country had this huge elephant problem and they were going to kill all these elephants. And so we had to go in and rescue them. No, that's not what happens. We were dealing with um, my daughter has been doing this work with me since she was 12 years old. And her big thing is saving animals in the wild. And so she has worked with several different countries on their their domestic issues and had gone down into Guyana and was teaching them how to have um, people come in as tourists to see jaguar in the wild without harassing the jaguar or seeing them in cages. And what she found is that even though she was teaching them how to make money off of protecting the jaguar, there were still people in that area who were going out and trapping jaguar and selling them to U.S. zoos. And then the U.S. zoos would say, oh, well, this was a problem cat that they had to pick up because it was doing X, Y, and Z. And she was like, no, I was there. It was not doing that. I I talked to the guy there at the airport who said that he was paid to go out and trap this cat for the zoo. So it still happens a little bit with zoos, but it's much more that they're just bred in cages. It's about changing the people, right? Not the the scenario. You've got to change the people and, and, you know, educate people. I think it's the, the best way of putting it. I remember reading about this thing. My wife is from Colombia, right? So I, I, I did a bit of research and I heard a lot of stories. And they have uh, guys that carry like horse carts or they have horses with carts and they go around and they collect cardboard and then they sell it on for recycling to make money, right? So this is what they do. Um, so the government tried to clear them all up. So they encouraged everyone to, to, to give in their horses or the, whatever, and they gave them mopeds or trikes and stuff. What they did though is they sold all the mopeds and trikes to get more horses <laughs> so, instead of right, helping the situation they actually doubled it so you know it's if they yeah if they'd have spoken to the guys and said look there's nowhere to keep the horses they're treated badly uh this is what we're going to do instead and you know a bit of education it might have helped but instead they were kind of like just give them give them mopeds give them mopeds yeah. you know uh, give yeah. them a vespa give them a vespa that a vespa's <laughs> worth two birds in the bush or something is what i hear um, the thing that I find probably the most disgusting, I mean, obviously, that none of the scenarios are good, but I find, like, when they make, like, ligers and tylons and things along those lines, that's, like, probably the most disgusting thing because these animals are bred um, and they, they are completely sterile, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Well, that's not the biggest problem. Whenever you hybridize lions and tigers or most of the cat species, um, some people will hybridize servals with domestic cats to create a hybrid cat called the Savannah cat. 
what happens is the kittens or the cubs are usually bigger than what either of those species would naturally carry. And I don't know why that is, but so many of the cubs or kittens have to be delivered via C-section. And then in the case of ligers, they actually suffer from something called gigantism. So most people grow until they're in their late teens and then we stop growing. With ligers, they just continue growing until it kills them because they don't have the gene that inhibits the, the growth at a certain point like a lion or a tiger would. And so when you see these 1,000 or 1,200-pound cats, you're probably seeing that cat right before it's about to die, and then they breed more of them, and they just keep calling them by the same name like they did with Shamu the whale. Exactly. Um, and like when I saw the first like video of uh, Liger, I mean, of course, very made famously um, went by Napoleon Dynamite back then. They're like Liger, you know. Um, but the first time I saw it, I was like, um, I was looking at them, and they, it was really like they're trying to be like, look how beautiful this animal is. But nobody ever puts the thought process like they bred that animal. Not only did they bred that animal, they bred that animal with two animals that have never seen each other. Like tigers and lions, they, they are completely different continents for fuck's sake. And yet people are like, oh, look how beautiful and big it is. Isn't that amazing? It's, it's really not. We've only had one liker here at the sanctuary. And thankfully, she did not have that, um, that lack of that gene. So she only grew to be like four or 500 pounds. Mm, but, oh, and, <laughs> well, like a regular lion or a tiger. Yeah, yeah. She lived to be 17 years old as a result. But what I saw in her was so sad because you could see that she did not know if she was a lion or a tiger and lions and tigers have very different personalities. And to see this cat be so conflicted and not fit in with either of those cats that, you know, we don't put cats in groups here, but they can see each other. They can chuff to each other, call to each other. And she was just always kind of like this outcast because she just did not get either of those species. Mm. I can imagine as well, like the mating process. Okay, Lion, there's a tiger there. You need to, and he's like, I, 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 don't, I don't want to. Like, <laughs> oh no, but you, you have to. This is what we got. Uh, yeah, but it, it's not a, a thing. No, but you, this is what's gonna, uh, you know, it's an but awful she's process. She's so ugly. Yeah, yeah. Is <laughs> Now it, it can't be the like it can't be the way Alex is described, right? It must be artificial insemination, correct? No, actually, they do put them together, and you will see if you go to these little roadside zoos, you will see these cats are just covered in huge gashes, um, missing parts of their ears, missing parts of their tails from being in cages where there's a single wall dividing them, and if they're rubbing up against that or trying to fight through, they're losing toes and such, and it's because of them. Uh, putting these cats that are incompatible together, whether they're crossbreeding or just regular breeding. The people who are doing this breeding usually do it with so many cats that they just consider those that end up dying in the process as the cost of creating cubs. That's disgusting. Bullshit, isn't it? Um, Absolute bullshit. You, terrible, terrible. You've that. you've owned, mm. um, not excuse me. You've you've cared for. I don't. I want to make sure I use the proper terminology. I don't want to label you as anything. Um, you've cared for both lions and tigers. Which one's more difficult to care for? Oh, lions. Oh my gosh. Really? <laughs> are so hard. What's what? What's the challenges between lions and tigers? Like, what's the difference? I mean, obviously they're two totally different species, but I mean, like, what's the difference in the challenges uh, that you face when you care for a lion compared to when you care for a tiger? I think probably the reason that most circuses use tigers and um, most people that are doing cub petting use tigers, and most people who want a big pet choose tigers, are because tigers, even full grown, are just like these big 
uh, goofy, I'm top of the food chain and I know it and I don't have to prove myself kind of an attitude. They really take a lot of crap off of people before they strike back. Whereas lions are just <laughs> from the very get-go, even though they're they're uh, pride animals and they live together in groups, whereas tigers do not. Those are family groups in the wild. So in captivity, when you're putting groups of lions together, that doesn't usually go very well. But the, the hardest thing about lions is that they can be laying there in their enclosure, being perfectly calm and relaxed. And you walk by and they look over and they're like, there's a stick right here that's been laying here for the last six years. But all of a sudden that stick is something they are going to protect to the death. And they are like up against the cage roaring and slobbering at you and having an absolute fit. And you're just like, what is that about? And then they go over and they hide their stick. Like you were going to touch my stick. And it's like, there's just nothing that tells you when that's coming with a lion and they can just instant. Sense. <laughs> Uh, have you ever? Oh no, you go first, Alex. Then no, I'm going to I'm going to segue out of conservation. So if you've got a question about some conservation, then no, it, it wasn't about conservation. I was going to comment um, because like ty uh, lions tend to only get so big. Um, like you know, obviously there's there's difference. And one of the things that I um, I saw this documentary about. Um, I, th I think it was called um, uh, the worst of enemies or something. It's about this one pride of lions that um, got isolated in a peninsula and all they had to go after was Cape Buffalo period. Because obviously on the Savannah, they have like the ability to go after zebra gazelle and all sorts of other animals. And they can like, sub you know, subside on like all sorts of things. But these lions got stuck on this peninsula and they could only go after Cape Buffalo. So they became very good at going after Cape Buffalo. And, be and because of that, every single generation after that became bigger and bigger and bigger. Have you ever seen that by chance? Like the, uh, the gigantic lions that live on this peninsula. Are you familiar with what I'm talking about? I've seen the show that you're talking about. And yes. what's interesting in captivity is that because these breeders want to use cubs longer than they're legally allowed to, they will, they will selectively breed smaller cats. So if they have a litter of cubs and there's a male and a female that are a lot smaller than the others, they'll breed those instead of the larger ones. And so there's a place in Tennessee that has something like 350 tigers because this woman just lets all of these bad guys dump tigers on her. And she, it, when we take in a big cat, we make the person contract with us to never own another exotic cat, whereas she just lets anybody dump a cat there. And so they continue to do that. So now she's got 350 tigers, but her tigers are like hardly... <laughs> <laughs> they're like hardly above my knees. They're these little tiny, short, dwarfed legged tigers because they've been so selectively bred over the years to be smaller and smaller. And that doesn't make them any less dangerous. They usually end up being dumped on her around the same time, about 16 weeks or so. Amazing. Oh, it's not amazing. No, no, no. no I get what you're saying. It's amazing to hear, not amazing the facts. It's amazing it to hear. It makes me angry, man. It, 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 it's Honestly, yeah. I, when I see some asshole um, sat next to some giraffe that just shot, and they're like, "Ah, yeah, look what I've just done," I want to reach through the screen and slap him. I genuinely do. Honestly, I hate that shit. Honestly, it really drives me insane. Like people going and paying to shoot something and kill it, as harmless like a giraffe, you know. And we talked about this with Niall, uh, and they were like, oh, "But the argument of some people," he didn't agree. Obviously, he's a he's a National Geographic guy, <laughs> uh, but he was like, he was like, "But the, the money that they generate from that helps 
keep uh, conservation going. And I'm like, ah, but the just doesn't yeah. sit right for me. I can't, I can't obey to that. I can't. Um, well, what happened with with Tiger King was mind blowing uh, for everybody. Uh, all the information that we took in was an absolute excuse my French, but a mind fuck. It really was. Uh, but for you, stuck in the middle of it, it must have been even obviously more of just craziness. The comments on social media, the 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 outfall from it all. Um, did it really affect you? What happened with that um, documentary? And you know, how, what did you do to sort of get get over that? It did affect us in a lot of negative ways. And probably the most negative was, like I said, my husband and I sat there and binge watched it like everybody else did because we could not believe that that was the show we had been working on for five years. They told us it was going to be called Stolen Wildlife. And they said Joe would be like five minutes of this thing. So there was no talk about there being a feud or any of that kind of craziness. And I've never even spoken to Joe. So there couldn't be a feud if I'm not even participating in it. But they managed to create one that everybody believed. So, you know, we sat there and we watched it. And at the end, we just said, wow, that was a missed opportunity. And then my phone started ringing. And it rang nonstop every two minutes for about the next three months with people just screaming obscenities at me and saying how they wanted me dead and how, you know, I should set Joe free, like there's some way I'm in control over that. Um, or to say that they wanted to kill our tigers. And I would say, well, oh, why no. do you want to kill the tigers? And they said, because they don't belong in cages. And I thought, how did you watch that show and not get the fact that I absolutely agree with you? They don't belong <laughs> in pages, but they didn't get that from the show apparently, because that yeah. was like, that was so many people said that. But what was so harmful about my phone being tied up is that my daughter and I do Bobcat rehab and release for the whole state of Florida. And anytime a Bobcat gets hit by a car, I'm the one that gets a call. And so we'll go out at two o'clock in the morning to pick up a cat. And people figured that out pretty quickly. And so they started doing all these prank calls, trying to get us to go out. And um, even when I, I had to turn my phone off for the most part at night because it was going off every two minutes, which meant I couldn't take any legitimate calls that might be coming in because so many people thought they were being so clever by contacting us and screaming obscenities or trying to fake bobcat injuries all over the place and so that really upset me because it was during the spring and summer and that's the time when most bobcat kittens get hurt out there because their moms get hit by a car and then the kittens end up being orphaned and they starve and so all of those cats died as a result of people just being so misled by that show oh that's See, I hate people. I said, to, I said today, I was at work at the prison. I was like, I hate people. And they're like, you're, you're a podcaster. You do this and we're doing this amazing charity event. I'm like, yeah, I know. I do what we do to help people. But at the same time, people ruin what we do. So what, what are we supposed to do? You know, uh, I both love and hate people, but I mostly hate people. Um, just That's just terrible. <laughs> I mean, it is. I mean, honestly. But I mostly hate people. So I mean, I, I hear stories so about much. people calling ambulances and then throwing stones at paramedics. Stupid things like that. It's a say. Yeah, horrible. well, I, I find it very, uh, I find it very confusing that these people love these tigers so much that they wanted to kill them. That that makes absolutely no sense. And they're like, they're like, oh, you shouldn't have a tiger in a cage. So to show you 
that, I'm going to murder them. It's like, well, what benefit are you doing for anyone or anything? Shouldn't they have been like their response should have been like, I'm going to let them go. But they couldn't do that because there'd be tigers on loose everywhere. So their only response to seeing this documentary was to be like, I'm going to kill these things. What, what a bunch of assholes. I'm sorry. That just makes no absolute no it sense to me. No it must have been so confusing to be you to receive these phone calls. I mean, like, I don't know. That, that's I just not believe it. Yeah, well, obviously, because that's fucking nuts. Uh, so, how many how many bobcats do you rescue on a yearly basis? That you, you keep mentioning, and I, I'm very intrigued by this. How many do you actually rescue? It's usually only between six and eight per year. Um, Still good. Yeah, well, enough. six to eight per year that we're actually able to rehab and put back into the wild. There's an awful lot of cats where we get out onto the scene and the cat's either dead or it dies on the way to the vet or things like that. So, mm. I think there's been something like in the last. I don't know, six or seven years, I think maybe 60 calls that we've gone out on. Now, do you think that um, you're like, so is that less calls than you normally would get or more calls? I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm a little, if you didn't hear what Alex said earlier, I'm a little sleep deprived, a little sleep deprived. So I just want to make sure I get it right. So is that less calls than let's say like 10 years ago, or more calls? Oh, we get more calls every year. It's just last year we didn't because I couldn't answer the phone. Of course. So do you think that um, signifies like a healthy population of bobcats that they're growing or that they're decreasing? Well, they were, they were doing okay, I think. And here in Florida, we have the Florida Panther, which is in serious danger. And so the bobcat is the next line of defense in protecting the ecosystem. Because what happens is if you don't have those top level apex predators, then the herbivores go in and they eat all of the seedlings before they get a chance to grow. And then they just devastate all of the forest and um, grasslands and everything. And so you have to have those predators that are keeping the herbivores in check. And so um, we were seeing more and more calls over the years from bobcats, but that could have been also just from people knowing who, you know, how to find us and um, reaching out to us that way. But then Maybe two years ago, the Florida Panther, um, they put a lot of trail cams out to watch them, and they found that they were suffering from some kind of a neurological disease where they look like they're just staggering drunk, and they can't hunt like that. And so they were finding that these Florida Panthers were dying from that, and we were rescuing bobcats that were having the exact same symptoms, and we were like, what the heck is this? And so we're working currently with the Florida Wildlife Commission in trying to isolate where this is coming from, because we've anytime we pick up a dead body of a cat, we'll take it to them and have their state lab do a necropsy to see if they can figure out whether or not it's been affected by this. But um, what we're doing with the current cats that we've rescued, and I think we've brought in like eight already this year, the ones that have survived, we lost three of them right off the bat, but the rest of them, they're going to collar when they release them so that they can actually track them. And then once they see, if they see them contracting this disease, they'll be able to say, okay, this is the point at which it happened and try to look at that area and say, what is going on in this area that's causing that? 72-year-old Martha leaving out go-cat for the uh, the big kitties. Uh, <laughs> I do hope you find out, though, because that's, that's devastating. Uh, we, we, we spoke to someone like that uh, with Nama Khan, but uh, the elephants just started dying 
uh, in America, in Africa. Uh, they just started, literally just started falling and they, they, the elephants had got a disease uh, and they still didn't get to the bottom of it. It just, it just kind of worked its way out, but it really devastated parts of um, the uh, elephant population in Africa. That's a random fact for you, Lekel. Just for us. There you go. There you go. From a few podcasts ago. Um, I mean, it's obviously got to be like something that we're introducing, right? I mean, it, it can't just be something that's happened in the wild because I mean, that happens ever so often, but that's so few and far between you know nine times out of ten it's something that we're doing even if it's not intentional you know these animals are getting into something they're they're eating a deer and there's also um isn't there some sort of like uh disease that the deer have now that have been like really messing with uh, a lot of the big cat um like uh i remember hearing something about like i think it's like walking they called like the walking dead uh disease essentially like and the humans were suffering from as well hunters they would shoot a deer they'd eat the deer and then they get really really sick from it is that something that you found down in florida um it's it's the red tail tail deer down there correct um I don't know. We have key deer and we have Florida deer, but I don't know if their tails are red. <laughs> <laughs> I only know two types of deer. I know I know there's black tail and there's red tail. That's the only things I know. I, I we don't give them sweet names. We don't call them the Vermont deer. We're like that's a black tail deer. And down in uh, uh, Pennsylvania, it's the red tail deer. And I only know this because we were driving. Uh, we went to go to my sister's uh, wedding um last year and um like you know when i when i drive like it's it's an unfortunate thing by living in the woods you tend to see a lot more accidents with animals than i'd I'd care to see like on my way home the other day i was going down the same road uh lake road which is what leads up to my big hill and i drive up my hill and all that stuff but i was going and like you always see the aftermath and this time i happened to see this big truck coming at me and this black tail is about beelined it right down from this truck and it was it was really really sad because like out here there's only one way to deal with these animals when they get hit like that you can't put them in the cast and just let them go that's not the way it works unfortunately like i in fact actually correction carol i, I just kind of lied to you because the first thing i ever saw was me hitting a moose on accident i was driving mm-hmm. yeah, yeah yeah don't don't ever hit a moose carol i'm telling you right now for freezies those things fuck your car up i was driving a little passat and <clears throat> i was driving home from my cooking job and um, I, I was looking and I see this big, it was middle of winter, really, really snowy mountains, clearly. And I look and I was like, wow, what's that big thing? And all of a sudden, like this huge, gigantic thing just steps right in front of my car. Oof. And we had to wait for the game warden to come out. And I was like, okay, so what do we do here? He's like, and he brings out his gun. I was like, oh, that's what we do here. Um, but back to what I was saying about driving through uh, Pittsburgh. Um, so driving through Pennsylvania, the only reason I know that the red-tailed deer population is because like every 50 feet, they they have such a healthy deer population down there that like literally the, the highways are just littered with these things. And that's when I started looking up like what is going on with them. And I guess there's some sort of like virus or something that was making everybody extremely sick. So no hunters were hunting them for a little bit because they were very cautious about, you know, not trying to either get this disease themselves or they weren't trying to like, you know, give in to the fact because a lot of people will subside off of this, you know, hunting mainly. Like I know a few people that only hunt for the meat. Um, so maybe it's something along those lines with the cats down there. But I would imagine that, you know, like I said earlier, nine times out of ten, it's got to be some something we're doing, correct? Well, the preliminary um, results that we have gotten back have shown that a lot of these cats that they're finding with this condition, they're calling it FLM, which stands for feline myoleuca mop of the or something. It's a mouthful. But um, FLM seems to be tied to cats who also have 
contracted a coronavirus. And guess what? Coronavirus has been really popular the last two years. Mm. So it, it really seemed like way too much of a coincidence to me that all of a sudden as people are dropping dead from coronavirus, we have cats dropping dead from coronavirus. And we know that they can contract COVID-19. They're, they're not, they haven't told me that the cats who have had this had COVID-19, but there's all different kinds of variations of COVID. And so I heard about this. I heard about feline COVID-19. It was like a thing. They were like, oh, cats can get it too. And then you've got Martha who was giving out go kitty, go cat for the, the, the cats. Just stopped. She just stopped. What is this thing that you keep saying, Bowie? Like, I don't go know, kitty? dude. I've been running on a bit. It's like, okay, so it's like, all right, it's, it's uh, um, 28 degrees outside uh, Celsius in the UK, which is very hot for us. Uh, I know you're down south, Carol. It's probably a lot warmer than that normally. Uh, as you can see, I've got this glow of just brown. I've, yeah, it's been a long day, buddy. But no, I'm just thinking like um, news stories affect how owners treat their animals, right? And, you know, th- this, these news stories, they could have caused an impact on how people, you know, give, give rid of their cats. Like a while ago, Staff, Staffordshire, bald, uh, Staffordshire Terriers, um, fighting dogs, right? There were so many people that bought them because they were like the, 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 the gangster-style dog to have and they were fighting dogs and stuff. And th- there was like this negative outlook on, on Staffies. They, they kind of made them illegal and also. And we went to a dog shelter and there were just Staffies everywhere, all these dogs, because people just gave them up after a bit. Like, you, like with the Tigers, you know, they bought this big dog, this big bulky dog, and they just couldn't keep up with it. So staffies everywhere you know it's negativity you know if it gets in the press it's it's bad um so we're we're kind of running low on time uh, and first of all thank you know last of all thank you very much carol for giving us the time that you have i mean you're very very gracious with it so so much fun thank you so okay so i love animals my daughter loves animals my family loves animals everyone should love animals what can the average person do to help with conservation If they're in the U.S., the biggest thing they can do is go to BigCatAct.com and actually send a letter or a um, tweet, or they can even call their member of Congress. When you put in your address, it'll know who your member of Congress is and actually dial them up for you and then give you a little quick script to say so that you can ask them to support our bill that would ban cub petting and private ownership of big cats. We have 198 co-sponsors in the House right now, and we expect that it will pass the House probably this summer, and then we're hoping to get it through the Senate in the fall. So we're thinking that after doing this for 20 years, we're finally closing in on getting this bill passed. So that's exciting. But the one thing people can do anywhere in the world is whenever you're on social media and you see somebody petting a big cat or holding a cup, call them out for that. You know, there used to be a day and time five years ago, 10 years ago, when you saw that kind of stuff and people, you know, I would say, don't call them out, just try to educate them. But there's so much education out there. People absolutely know that it's a bad thing to do and we just need to put an end to it. And so I think the only way we're going to do that is by stepping up and being the voice Mm. for these animals. Um, so that really good question was to make up for the diatribe before Alex. So fuck you. <laughs> You're allowed to rumble if you've, if you've got 30 Thank hours you. away. Um, Carol, what are you working on at the moment? I mean, I, I saw these headlines that you'd, you'd actually acquired GW Zoo. Now, is that, is, that, is that correct? Yes, we were. We won the judgment against Joe, I think, back in 2013 for a million dollars. We've been chasing him through bankruptcy court ever since then. And the judge finally ruled and gave us the zoo last year. And we sold it. So we um, 
<laughs> we recovered, I think, $140,000 of the million dollars that he owes us by being able to sell the zoo. But we sold it with the caveat that nobody can ever house exotic animals there again. And One so dollar. all of the cages have to be torn down and mm. used for something that does not involve holding wild animals captive. And so we're really happy about that. I'm sure Joe's really, really happy about that. <laughs> I'm sure. <laughs> Does, has he has he tried to contact you, or has anybody from his, Joe's side tried to contact you since the show? When the zoo was up for sale, his um, wasn't his attorney. It was his like the guy who brought the limo to the pardon day that they were hoping to get. That guy contacted us about buying the zoo and we told him you can buy it, but you can't ever put exotic animals on it again. So he didn't want it after we said that, but that's the only contact. I wonder why. Um, Carol, once again, thank you so much for joining us today. You've been a delight. I feel like we learned a tremendous amount. I know, right? Um, How can people follow you? How can not literally don't follow Carol Baskin's people? I mean, like, (laughs) like how can they keep track of what you're doing? How can they support you? Best way is just on any social platform you're on, look for Big Cat Rescue. Nice. Nice. uh, I asked this. It's a really awkward, weird thing to ask, but are there fake accounts of yours? Is there uh, like a genuine uh, profile of yours, the real Carol Baskin or something like that people could follow on Instagram, or is it just Big Cat Rescue? If well, both. Um, it's more interesting to follow Big Cat Rescue, and it'll have the verification check mark on all of the sites for it because it's huge. Um, it's got millions of fans on Facebook awesome. and Instagram, and we've got 1.3 million views or subscribers on YouTube. So you'll find Big Cat Rescue really easily. If you're looking for me, I'm Carol Baskin Cat, and I'll have the check mark with the cat after my name because somebody got my name before I did. So, um, but it's verified as well, so you'll be able to tell. Excellent. You have been an absolute pleasure to speak to. Thank you so much. We asked you yesterday to come on. So thank you so much for this. Uh, I don't know. Maybe in the future, maybe we can get you back on again. I'd love to speak to you again. Find out what's going on 12 months down the line. That'd be really, really cool. Um, what we tend to do now is uh, me and Tom are going to slip over to the later lounge where we can sort of catch up. We haven't spoken to each other for a couple of weeks. Uh, but we let, we'll let you go and, and enjoy the rest of your day. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, Carol Baskin. Obviously, amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a great day. Have you a great too. day. Bye-bye. See you now. I think we just need to go straight over there. I'm, I'm going over go. there now. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go! Pull the car. I, I'm a bit, I'm a bit stunned. If I'm honest, like I, t- before we did that, Tom was like, "I'm a little bit nervous," and I was kind of like, "It's fine. We speak to celebrities all the time. Don't worry about it." Uh, and like the, the the first thing I did when when Carol Baskin showed up there on the guest thing at the bottom, I was, I was like, "What the? F- oh my god, she's here!" <laughs> <laughs> Kaz jumped off the bed. She ran out of the room. She's like, "She's tapping me. She's like, she's here." I was like, "Wow, she's okay. here." Yeah, no, I liked her response too. She's like, "I don't get that response totally." That that was that was Kaz interesting. Literally I literally ran out of the room. She's gone. <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, first of all, okay, so we don't normally do this on the show, but well done, sir. That like, we what do we know about conservation? Nothing. We just learn more than we probably have ever known in our entire lives about it. And we, I feel, you know, we'll we'll let 
let you guys be the judge of how we handled that because normally we we you know we bullshit we bullshit with other people that you know make stuff or or um our funny voices or whatever have you this is the this was the a first for us we didn't get to do a voiceover we, we should have got to do a damn it we could we could take that snippet from the very beginning she did say hey all you cool cats and kittens we, we yeah. can we can just take that way yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, Plus, cool cats and kittens, I'm on. You suck. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know what's cool? We get to add her picture to our Hall of Fame. I think that's I've excellent. been sharing it on Facebook. And there's been, a, I'm not going to say there's negative comments, but some people go, hmm, not sure about this. But like, I think what you I need think- to do with that is to be open minded with this shit because I, I do believe that Netflix. I need to be careful because Netflix I might watch this and might be like, ah, oh, fuck you. <laughs> yeah, Sued. Yeah, totally. um, <laughs> but, you know, there are misconceptions and there are, there are things that are made to look real that aren't not, you know. They obviously went into Tiger King with, oh, Joe Exotic, look at this fucking animal. Let, let, let's just go nuts with it. You know what I mean? So I we went in this. We had a, a briefing before we went in, me and Tom. We had a quick... Uh, discussion and we were like we'll talk as little about the documentary as possible this is about conservation because that is what the most important thing is right absolutely and i think that we accomplished that goal i'm not gonna lie dude like once again i i before okay so netflix wants to make money right that's like the whole deal they want subscriptions and they have to sensationalize everything so i think part of the problem is that first of all i don't like how they lied to her i don't think that's cool at all i think that if they were going to make this documentary they should have just done it straight up and that way you know people can be willing participants whether you know they, they can make their own unified decisions and by lying to people about this it, it kind of like puts them in a false sense of like security with like oh it's okay for me to be like this. And everything that she said made sense to me as a human being to another human being. And everything that she, I, I never once like felt anything that she's saying was bullshit or misleading. So I don't, uh, you know, next time, if, if I ever watch the tiger King again, I think I might watch it with a different eye and I hope all you do too. And I hope you all give this a chance because she was very, very nice, full fledged. Not that, I mean, not that I expect anything differently, but it wasn't what I expected at all. So I hope any listeners that, that check this episode out, I hope they take away the same thing. Yeah, uh, and if you if you do like, we are here to discuss. Okay, so if we have to discuss for a message you've sent or a comment on Facebook, I won't I won't pull it, ever pull up anybody's comment on Facebook because that's rude. But if you do want to throw in your comments and we will discuss it properly with you, please do the usual methods: Facebook, email, whatever. You, and because we like to talk about this stuff with you. And to be fair, right, we were supposed to be interviewing the drummer from um, Blue October, but I I fucked up the scheduling because. I, what happens is, right, I come in, right, from a night shift on a Wednesday, and I'm like, fuck it, I could do the scheduling shit. I haven't had, had any sleep, but let's do this. Nah, and right. Kaz was ama- amazing by getting in contact with this guy, and I was kind of like, oh, right, he's done as a maybe then, because he responded. He was like, yeah, I'd like to do it. So I wrote him in the diary and forgot to actually confirm. So I was like, oh, don't worry, Tom, don't worry about it. we got this drummer guy coming on. And then it came to, like, looking at my emails, I was kind of like, oh, shit. So Kaz was like, I, I think I might have got you Carol Baskin as I like, fuck off. No, you haven't. You haven't got me no, Carol Baskin. Shut the fuck up, Cass. We did. And she did. She fucking did. So she Cass. did. Cass, Cass. Well done. Yes. Very well. Very well done. Um, okay. So enough enough blowing each other about what we just No, 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 no. There's Alex. one more thing I need to I need to bring oh, up. Please. please and that please. is um No, I can't say that. I can't say that. Okay. <laughs> I can't say, I can't don't say, say it. I don't say it. Don't say it. Just in case anyone else listens to that, yeah, let's not do that. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay. So 
what have you been watching? I watched a couple of new things, including the uh, season finale of Loki. That's one of the things that I watched. Yeah, I mean, I talk about it. How, yeah, we, let's, we can do Loki. I watched the, the War of Tomorrow as well. So did I. So did I. I watched that mm. as well. Yeah. Mm. Okay. Okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get into uh, I actually, funnily yeah. enough, I actually I gave uh, our old friend Mr. Kenny Aldrich a ride down to the uh, airport today, and these are the two things that we talked about. So I'm very well versed to speak about said things. I've been practicing. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll do Loki first because uh, okay. it's the, on the tip of everyone's tongue at the moment. By the way, guys, this will be spoilers. I'm very sorry to do this on a, such a prominent episode. Spoilers. Of this, of... Spoilers. Spoilers. Yeah. Spoilers. Spoilers. What's going on? What's up? What's a crackling? Can you hear that? I don't know what that crack. Maybe it's the electricity between the two of us from just doing that interview. It was my phone. I fucked it off over the over the bed. Oh, okay. oh your fault. Hey, Loki. Loki. Uh, last time we spoke about Loki, uh, we were on the penultimate episode, right? I think so. I think so. Um, actually, how long has it been since you and me have spoken now? Has it been? We didn't do Wednesday Night Live. Um, did we do Wednesday Night Live? I don't even remember anymore, week. dude. Everything's sweet because everything's... we spoke to George McFly last week. You know, oh, that's right. We did speak to George McFly last yeah, week. Everything's yeah, yeah. just in a blur nowadays. It's Jeff crazy. Okay, so yeah, he was excellent. That man needs a podcast. Um, okay, so what happened last? It was when they were trying to get into the giant creature, the 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 cloud creature. What was that? That's they right. They that were going to enchant the the. The, the attack dog. I forgot the name of it. That's really bad. Algrith, Algri, whatever the fuck his name is. The big cloud fucker. It's Martha uh, the two with a go cat. <laughs> so so go cat was trying to keep them out of uh, whatever it was, and then we got to go into it. And I think that what the new Marvel universe, like the TV Marvel universe is doing best is they're taking obscure characters and making them hideously prevalent. It's, it's what they did best with star Wars, right? Like if you think about the guardians of the galaxy before guardians of the galaxy, who the fuck knew about guardians of the galaxy? Not me. I never even heard the name star Lord. Like that was not on my radar at all. So I knew about uh spoiler spoilers. I knew about can the conqueror, um, only because I collect Marvel trading cards. Like I, he was a trading card, and that's the only thing I know about him. Did you know anything about Kane the Conqueror prior to this? No, I, I I did some research afterwards because I am mad enough to admit that shit. I know there's going to be lots of nerds out there going, "Oh yeah, 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 Kang the Conqueror." I know all about Con- Kang the Conqueror. I know it nothing. Here, I, I, I saw stats is... of Kane the Conqueror. Go ahead. Sorry, I just want to throw it out. I'm just not trying to claim people like literally. There's going to be so many quotes from Wikipedia right now from these nerds that know all about Kang the Conqueror. Really, they know fuck all about it. But I mean, if you did, then that's cool. Um, but I did go out and research. Kang the mm. Conqueror, and oh my god, I just after everything that I learned about Kang the Conqueror. So first of all, let's talk about the episode. There's a lot of talking, a little bit of fighting, not a lot of action. But what was in the context and what was in the dialogue was probably some of the most important shit that you're going to hear in the MCU, right? Mm. Um, I, yeah, I agree with that. Um, I, I liked it a lot and i didn't need a lot of fight in that episode i think that it was very very important to kind of hear what we had to hear because it they're going in such weird places and such different places and they're taking really big risks um to make like i mean well actually i guess it's not that no because if you think about wandavision wandavision ended with a huge fight right Gigantic fight, like yeah, Vision versus Vision, fucking yeah, Scarlet yeah. Witch versus um, Agatha. Um, I'm, by the way, I'm watching that with Shona right now because we ended Loki, 
And um, I was like, oh, we can watch WandaVision. I've seen, she's like, yeah, but you've seen it. I'm like, yeah, but we can watch it again. I'll watch it again. I won't tell you anything about it. We can watch it because I love that fucking show. Um, they took a big risk by, get, like you just said, giving like maybe a minute worth of fighting, if that, not even like big fighting. And it ended with, like, I love the way that Loki ended that fight, by the way. Like, that was that was probably like my stop. favorite. Yeah. Dude, she stop. Hands on the throws, shoulder. Dude, throws the fucking sword away, dude. That was excellent like because the entire time like she's not wrong to believe that loki would want the throne right like that was her big thing she's like she's like you want the throne don't you he's like no i i really don't i think we should stop and think about this she's like no you just want the fucking throne which and like proved me wrong by the way because i was like yeah loki's playing the long game here that was what i said last week remember um i don't remember once again everything is kind of blurring into one another especially now that i'm going um (laughs) i know right i want to talk to carol let's bring carol back on so carol what do you think about loki do you think that fight was bad she'd be like i'm busy saving cats i'm like all right fucking well i'm shallow and pedantic and i want to talk about loki um i liked it a lot i did i don't See, because we got to see Ragnarok, I think that I was kind of expecting this to happen. Not expecting that to happen. But I didn't think he was playing the long game. But then again, I'm easily tricked. I'm, I'm kind of a dummy. So I was I was not... When the, he threw away the sword, I was like, oh, that makes sense. That was cool. Yeah. It was, it was a very powerful moment. But we've all done that outside a bar, I imagine. When someone's kicking off and they're like, I'm going to fucking knock his fucking nut. I'm going to fucking have him. And you put your hand on the shoulder like, dude, dude, dude. You've had a few too many. Let's get you a taxi. Let's get you home before you end up in jail. That's basically what Loki was doing there. He was like, Sylvie, come on, man. You could really fuck shit up for us, all of us right now. Let's not do this. And she was kind of like, I'm going to do it anyway. So she does. Um, and if you think about the comparison of Loki that started, Loki that is now, the Loki that started was the guy that would have been that. He was essentially Sylvie in the beginning, right? Like he had, um, uh, fuck, dude, I'm so tired. Um, he had, what's, what's, that, what's that thing called? Uh, the square. What's that called? The Tesseract. Tesseract, thank you very much. He had the Tesseract, and he was using it for his own uh, illegitimate gains to essentially conquer the Earth and to help Thanos come to power. And that's who he was. He was short-sighted, but for his own gains. And at the end of it, he is Ragnarok Loki, who is thinking about the long-term, and Sylvie is thinking about the short-term, but for good reasons? Yeah. 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 All right. So fucking those like complete like 180 for for this Loki, which I thought was really, really cool. And once again, because we saw Ragnarok, I was a kind of a kind of sort of expecting it. Now, what did you think about? I mean, it's is it Kane or Kang? I always thought it was Kang. 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 Okay. Uh, like like Kang and Kodos. Kang and Kodos, right? I'm trying to find his the actor's name. It was Jonathan Majors, and is they called him He Who Remains in this Yes, one. He Remains. So he was a Dude, different variation, but he was like, I've been called a conqueror from time to time, and people are like, oh, I know who that guy is. First of all, uh, Jonathan Majors, fucking applause, by the way, because I've absolutely. just gone to uh, amazing, amazing acting. I was just like, wow, what a power move by MCU to save probably one of the best actors out of one division. I mean, there's been amazing acting, like amazing acting. Of all three of these shows they've released, and they saved Jonathan Majors for the end. What a fucking power play that was, because he was phenomenal. And he was on screen for like 20 minutes. Like, <laughs> Dude, he was so engrossing. It was it was unreal. Like every single thing he said just had me captivated. I don't know if it's just because of how powerful he was, or just like the. I mean, of course, it was the acting. The act. Like, can you imagine being him and being like, okay, this is what you're gonna do. Captivate us. Yeah, go. 
Go. Yeah. And that's the performance he gives. And it was so beautiful to watch. Like the entire time, I'm like, fuck Loki's. Get the fuck. Give me more of him. He's it's, excellent. It's how he acted so eccentric. It's yes. a bit like that kid that's got the older brother. He's like, oh, if you touch... Broke my mic. Ah, oh, if you touch me, my brothers are going to come in. They're going to punch you. There's going to be blood all over the walls. They're going to stab you a few times. They won't kill you, but you'll want to be dead. And there's all this... And he's going absolutely nuts. And, he goes, and he's like, no, no, no. That will really, 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 really happen. So please don't, don't do this. Yeah, yeah. Like, he went like completely like nuts and it was kind of like no seriously don't kill me you're gonna unleash all these nasties and uh he convinced loki our loki but not sylvie obviously no do you think sylvie knew that she was kicking him into the wrong dimension or do you think that was a mistake on her part i don't know because like it, it was it was weird spoilers 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 you know sorry it was one this whole thing but like she she knocks loki through one of the orange doors she's like Oof. And there he goes. He goes to the door and he's like in what looks to be the TVA and he's like running to find Mobius. He's like, oh, my God, what the fuck do I do? And he finds Mobius and he's like, dude, we got to fucking stop this. And he's like, hey, aren't you like some like aren't you like an analyst? And he's like, what? And then you realize because they pull away from the big statue and Shona was like, what's going on? I was like, I was like, oh, my God. Remember that statue behind them was the timekeepers before. Like that was what they were, you know, worshiping or that's who they respected. And now it's fucking uh, he who's. Yeah, it's no. Kang. That so, was Kang the Conqueror. That's what Kang yeah, the yeah, Conqueror that was, looks yeah, yeah, exactly, like. That was exactly definitely right. Kang the Conqueror. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I was using the, the, the parlance in which he explained himself because that was the yeah. only thing that. Because once again, like I. I did not know exactly what the fuck he was talking about. I had to wait, yeah. you know, to catch up with it. And I was like, oh, I've heard of that name. But once again, I knew nothing about him. I had to start looking up just like you did. So at least we're honest about our fandom. There's nothing wrong with being surprised. I, I, I find that people are toxic when they're like, oh, I knew everything about it. It's like, good for you. Fuck you. I want to be surprised. Now I get to learn something new. Um, it was only when I sort of did the research afterwards that I realized kind of how much the MC they've just literally laid out the whole new phase, next phase of the mm. MCU, because Kang the Conqueror is obviously related to Mister Fantastic. He is a future relative of Mister Fantastic, so there is your Fantastic Four inclusion. Ooh. Obviously, there's there's the multiverse now, so you could, they can literally do what the fuck they like. Um, and then we've got um, Doctor Strange and the, the Multiverse of Madness. There we yes. go. That's everything that's been set up now. And then we've got Kang the Conqueror. Uh, it's literally laid out for us right now. They can do what they like. I am so excited. Remember a while ago, listeners, uh, cool cats and kittens, um, yeah! <laughs> when I said the MCU is probably going to get boring too. Not boring, but it's kind of like going to get stale and all this sort of stuff. I believe in the MCU right now. I believe oh, in them so fucking hard. Like, so they, uh, hard. They're so brilliant. So good at storytelling. Honestly, they like they make you wait for it. They're like, no, you'll wait for it. You're all wrong, by the way. You're dumb. Do this. Remember, remember, like, I, it's just so funny because you literally just said it, but I was going to go back to it. Like, I remember when they announced these shows and we're like, they're never going to match up to the movies. Like, the movies are, we just saw a fucking Endgame, dummies. What's going to be better than that? I would argue this is better than that. Hmm. Not in yeah. this. Okay, I'm not trying to take away anything from Endgame. Is phenomenal. We all love Endgame, right? We all love Tony Stark sacrificing himself for the for the goodness of everything. His tra- his character development, everything is. I'm not going to take away anything from those movies. Those movies made this. But when they announced the shit, everybody was like, "No, what? Why would you do that? Why are you taking these risks? This sounds stupid." And 
Loki's the most watched fucking thing right now is one of the highest streaming things. Um, you know, it's it, it's it's paying off in dividends, and I and I applaud Disney for taking these chances, man. I mean, this this one phrase. This is just off Wikipedia, so some nerd probably wrote it. Probably don't know what he's talking about, but this is what I've just read, and I just kind of weed myself a little bit. I'm not gonna lie, it's a bit on the table. I'm a bit on the chair. It says here, uh, a th- uh, so Nathaniel Richards, a 31st century scholar and possible descendant of Reed Richards. Time-traveling father Nathaniel becomes fascinated with uh, with history and discovers the time travel technology created by Victor Von Doom. Ooh. He then travels back to uh, to ancient Egypt aboard a sphinx-shaped time ship and becomes oh! Pharaoh Rama Tut. That's okay. Okay, there we go. Now, okay, there we go. Keep going. Um, uh, with plans to claim N. Sabatner, the mutant destined to become Apocalypse. The, yes, 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 yes. Ramatut's rule is cut short when he is defeated by time-displaced Fantastic Four. And embittered Nathaniel Richards travels forward to the 20th century where he meets Doctor Doom, who he believes might be his ancestor. He later designs armor based on Doom's and calling himself Scarlet Centurion pits the uh, Avengers team against alternate reality counterparts. He plans to dispose all of them of all of them, but the Avengers manage to force him uh, from a timeline. So... It's so funny because the moment that you met, okay, once again, like I, I don't remember any of the stuff, but the moment that you're like, he, he had a spaceship in the, in the shape of a pyramid. I was like, oh my God, that leads to apocalypse. I forgot all about that. Holy shit. Oh, it's going to be fucking amazing. Yeah. <sighs> I mean, I like it. The possibilities are endless and there's still mysteries. There are still mysteries going on uh, because there's this chick that's going out giving business cards to everybody. If you've seen um, Falcon and the Winter Soldier, the, the new Captain America, there's that chick that rolls up and she's like, He's like, she's like, you got to work with me. I'm going to make you feel better. Don't worry, I'll make you something different. And he's like, yo, have you got a business card? She's like, bitch, I don't need a business card. You know, and uh, you will see her again. Oh, all You right. will see her again. Okay. Just going to leave it um, like Yeah, see I know, I know, I know. I've already been spoiled for that. Um, I'm, I haven't seen the movie yet, but I, I know what you're talking about. Um, really quickly, um, just to jump off the MCU, like I, I watched something. I know it's a really abrupt change, but I watched something um, that I did not intend to watch, but I ended up really enjoying it. And I don't know if you ever said that you watched it. Did you ever watch Get Out? The Jordan yes. Peele movie? Yes, 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 yes. Amazing. Amazing. Dude, I watched I I watched it based on uh, you know Infinite Loop the uh, the YouTube channel and uh, the the news thing they talk about like movies and like the ten things you might have done so they did the ten things you might have missed the first time you watched Get Out and I had no intention to watch this movie I, I generally speaking I don't like like psychological thrillers that's not really my deal it's not really a horror movie per se if it doesn't have like a bunch of blood and guts and it, it's not really up my alley we all know who I am. I'm honest with myself. That's okay. So I saw the 10 things you might have missed when watching Get Out. And based on that, that made me watch fucking Get Out. I was like, oh my, that's what this fucking movie is about? Because I paid no attention to it this entire time. When when people hype shit really hard, I have no interest in watching it. It's the reason that I don't listen to music. I, I can't stand people sh- cramming shit down my throat. So the moment that like I happened to see this little thing, I was like, oh, that sounds amazing. I watched Get Out. I fucking loved get out i thought that was so brilliantly well done i i thought the acting was phenomenal and i i was so stoked that i happened to catch that because like everyone's been talking about it forever and i just happened to finally see it so you saw that movie huh 
Yeah, it's really good. It's really. I saw. I saw as well. I loved it. By the way, it was, I, I find you know we talk about me and my horror movie likes and things like that. Yeah, spooky shit like that. You know, just her tapping the spoon on the edge of the cup, and he's just yeah. paralyzed. That sort of shit really fucks me up. There was a there's a film a few years ago called Awake, where a guy was awake during a, an operation, and he could hear them talking about how they're going to kill him whilst he's like half sedated he could feel every single thing that's happening to him it was just fucking horrendous that sort of shit freaks me out like um so yeah that that film does it for me but there's there's a a meme shared recently of the picture of the couple from get out and somebody's like oh i want love like this and somebody's like have you seen this fucking film (laughs) (laughs) she was the most evil bitch i've ever seen in my life dude like she dude like you think the rest of the family's bad like at least they're honest about who they are dude she is bad and i loved his best friend his best friend made me laugh so fucking hard if anyone's like me who's just an idiot and has not seen this fucking movie i thought like the way that jordan peele kind of balances the the comedy and the the horror of it all is just so brilliantly well done because in the very beginning his friend's like you should not go to that house don't do that and he's like oh, i'm gonna go be my girlfriend's fucking family at the very end of the movie after he's been through this whole ordeal he's fucking bloody he just barely got out by the scrape of his teeth his friend sitting next to him he's like told you not to go in there it fucking made me laugh <laughs> so hard it was unreal dude i i love that so much and the thing like I, w- I was pretty proud of myself i actually put this together um i read it afterwards because i was reading everything about this movie the way that i can tell that i really loved it was i thought about it all night i thought about this movie all night long yeah. um i was watching it and i actually discovered something i, I was like oh you used your big boy brain tom when he's sitting there scratching at the chair and he's like, all of a sudden, he's ripping out the chair, and then he ends up getting the cotton. I was like, oh, my God, what a cool correlation, because his ancestors, you know, they were kept in slavery and kept down by the fact that they were, you know, they were picking cotton for the white people. And he, and this guy, years and years later, frees himself by picking cotton. I was like, wow, that's beautifully done. Like, if I could meet Jordan Peele, I'd shake his hand just for that scene alone. But, dude, that was Red brilliant. Cross. Dude, that was so cool. I was I was very very impressed. Um, we could talk about something more recent that isn't from five years ago. No, though. no, 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 no. I think this is really important. It really is important because like you see films like The War of Tomorrow, like we're going to talk about, and you're like, oh, that's cool, that's great. Next, like you know, and then you you get a film that makes you think, but like mm. two three days afterwards, mm. that's a key. Yes, I would argue that I liked Get Out far more than I liked War Tomorrow. And I, I didn't mind War Tomorrow, but it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. The CGI was terrible in it. I mean, I'm, 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 not, a big, I'm not a big, like, CGI, CGI doesn't always make a film, but if you're going to go big like that, you've got to have the budget to, you know, just... I feel like this out. film was, I feel like this film was very confused on what it wanted to be. Like, at first, I thought it was going to be, like, an alien movie. Like, Alien with Sigourney Weaver, Alien. Like, you know, horror, aliens. And then I thought, oh, it's going to be aliens. You know, the Marines and the fighting and all that stuff. But it, it, it didn't have, like... And then it was a little Terminator. It was very, very confusing. Me and Kenny were talking about in the car. And he's like... I, he, what he did not like about it, and I agree with him, is that, you know, spoilers, 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 the daughter ends up, you know, sacrificing herself to stop the aliens... But essentially, at the very end, she didn't have to do that at all because fuck, it was so confusing to me. What did you think when you watched this movie? Did you did you like it? Did you not like it? Let's no, I liked there. it. I thought it was really good. I saw a post going, "Oh, Chris Pratt, be, please be funny again." I was like, "Fuck off!" That's the yeah. shitty thing to say to he anybody. Doesn't, he doesn't look like Chris Pratt anymore, like at no, all. Did he? They, they, they dyed his hair a darker shade of brown, like literally a shade darker. 
And I was kind of like, that does not look like Chris Pratt. Usually it's, it's a bit, it's like a brown. No, yeah. It's sh- go, goes to show what dyeing someone's hair can do. Um, no, I liked it. I thought it was really good. I mean, um, it was, it, it's always like that. Like with Jack Reacher, he was like in the, he was a, a military policeman or there's something that was always in the background. And he was like, yeah, I was in special forces, you know, like, but now I'm a mm. fucking, what was it, a teacher? What was he? I don't. He was really uh, I didn't watch Jack Reacher. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, and I thought I thought he did well. You know, he did. Uh, uh, let's let's given. start there. Let's start there. Um, this is the unknown franchise, and he did really well. I thought Chris Pratt really knocked it out of the park in the acting department. I thought it was cool to bring people from the past to fight a future war. I thought that was cool. Yeah. I thought the I thought the creatures were cool. I thought they were very very cool. I did not like hearing right after the movie that they were making a sequel. Mm, yeah. yeah. And that makes the whole movie worthless, in my opinion, because it's like you, we just put the, put this all through that whole ordeal just I mean, to say you that could do it doesn't it mean so anything. That, I mean, like, okay, so we've, we've learned from like Avengers and all these sort of things that you, you can't change a future. You can only change directly. You can create a new, another vault, multiverse. You know, you can only do that. Um, so that could be that. Or it could be there's more than one crash site. Um, you know, we didn't think about that. Um, but yeah, you're right. The, the, the sacrifice at the end isn't worth it if there's going to be a sequel, is there? Like, oh, it's happening again. Like, you know, the the big plus about that, and me and like me and Sean watched, and we kind of have the same feelings at the end of it, but we love the dad. The dad was like probably my favorite part of that whole fucking movie. And, like, yeah. especially near, especially near the that end when he's like, Spider Man. <laughs> he looks at him. By the way, he's jacked. Jacked yeah. as Oh. Yeah, but that was that was because of uh, of Justice League. They were like, oh, he's going to be Commissioner Gordon. So he just went to the gym. And there's a picture a few years ago of his arms, and he's like sixty. Yeah, fucking. It, I I I did love I lo- I did love J.K. Simmons when he was like, he's like, do you scream die at the creature? And he's like, yeah. He's like, why didn't you do that earlier? I thought that was fucking hilarious. I there there was key little things about that movie. That I thought that like that's fucking brilliant. The, there's a lot of things. I I mean, don't worry. I did not make this movie, and I I don't think it's really fair for us to judge it. Judge it. I, overall, I enjoyed the experience, but there were certain things that I really did fucking enjoy. That was one of them. The one thing I did not enjoy though was I did not like his buddy. Who's like, he's like, what were you, a soldier or something? He's like, yeah, I guess it's a shorter story than I meant it to be, or whatever the fuck he said. I didn't like his story arc because he, he jumps, he, he, you miss him for like 45 minutes of the movie and then you see him again and he's like, I hid. You're like, fuck you, really? That's your story arc? And of course, he ends up, you know, redeeming himself later on, but still, it's like, that, that's what you're going to do. That's what you're going to fucking show. Why? Why? The positives of this film, though, yes, is that it's not. Disney, or it's not, and it's not, it's not a, 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 a like you said, it's a brand new franchise, and they're being brave. Yes. And also, what they're doing is taking aspects of, 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 um, you know, uh, legendary movies from the past. They're like, what are we going to have? Mm. We're going to have a reoccurring, reoccurring queen that's going to keep busting through. Sorry, I got an itchy mm. nose. Um, mm. And you, <laughs> we're going to have a, dysfunction, a dysfunctional family, a guy with a bit yeah. of uh, combat experience uh, who's mm. going to go and save the day. Uh, and time yes. travel. We want time travel. It doesn't matter. I just imagine that. I've just sat around a big long table and go, right, what do we need for a classic, guys? And they've gone, dysfunctional family, time travel, a reoccurring queen and future and sci-fi. Uh, and the, 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 the funny comedian the one the one comedy act that's what we need and they've literally thrown that into a film but i think it worked okay i think i would give it i always go on grades i would give it a probably a c 
I see. Yeah. I, think, I, I think it was yeah. about it was it was a good film, but nothing special. There we go. I'll I'll, I'll even top you on that. I'll give it a C plus because I want them to take more chances. I, yeah. I as much as we love franchises, like we love Loki, we love Wandavision, we love Star Wars, we love all these things. It was cool to see something new, and then by that I'm saying seeing something new, which they stole heavily from many of the different things. But it was cool to to see a new world, I guess. So that was that was very Starship very Troopers. I liked got it. A vibe about as well. I got a very Starship. Yeah, Troopers very Starship Troopers. Especially when did they you like the Queen? Like I yes. Like, did you like how they did the they did uh, at a football game though? I thought you'd like that. Mm, I just need a yeah, bang like, to like start blowing shit up. <laughs> <laughs> I blew up all the bridges, and you're like, "What the fuck? Right, okay. Very quickly before we go. By the way, Smoke Stop got back to me. I sent. Uh, I made. A, I haven't released it yet. It's a six minute little clip of our little conversation about the Smoke Stop, and I sent it to him. It's quite rude because I was like, "Oh, my. first of all, I complained about the the paper that they put under my brisket, and I kind of like don't don't fucking put paper under my fucking brisket." Blah blah blah. Oh uh, shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I sent it to them. I was like, "Oh." this is what we did um do you mind if i release it because i was like oh the meat was so good maybe come in my pants it was a bit rude so i sent it to him and they were like yeah yeah please please do that and he gave me an idea and i thought okay well, we went to hickory's yesterday and i thought let's see if hickory's tops smoke stop okay we make it like a, a thing mm. of this uh the tom grades americanizations in Boston. <laughs> Um, okay, so we went to Hickory's, one of my favorite places to eat. There's me and Kaz. This was yesterday. Hey, I know those uh, people. Um, so here's pictures of what the place looks like. So the, 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 this is this place is huge and a massive budget. So the, it does look a lot nicer. Open kitchen there. Look, uh, the bar looks nice. Um, uh, right off the bat, I'm gonna tell you right now that's very Americanized. Like if I went, uh, if I walked in that place, I would not be shocked to see that almost anywhere in America. That's that's very America. It, they they do put a lot of effort into into the decor, decor. They and only an American decor, um, and <laughs> they have uh, obviously it's another bit of the bar. They have the movie house. They have a cinema in there. What? They have a cinema inside, so you can tell the kids to fuck off for like ten minutes while the food come in. Really? Like, mm-hmm. like what? What do you mean? Like the actual movie? It's a proper little like... cinema. There's like like literally cinema chairs. I didn't go in there at the time, um, but they got cinema chairs. I went, I went to Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, the friends that I saw that were there, they uh, they fucked up their table. They gave them a smaller table than what they wanted, and they were like, "Oh, the cinema's free!" So they got to sit and watch Super Bowl in a in a huge uh, little cinema thing. It was quite cool. I'll take pictures of it next time I'm in. Do you get to bring your food in there? I don't believe so. But during Super Bowl, bullshit the drinks. Bullshit. Sorry, <laughs> they have already lost me. If you got to bring your food in there, I'd be like, "Dope, dope as fuck." Okay, so I like the decor. The most British thing that I've seen so far is the fact they used old English to write uh, the uh, the hickories. That was the that was the thing. Back up, back up, yeah, back up. Oh, sorry, uh, where? Back up, right there. Oh, All right. Yeah. old hickory old barbecue. Hickory bar- that, that's not that's not American at all. They would never do that. It'd be like written in crayon or something. <laughs> fucking that's how we are man Come we don't do it like bar. that the corrugated Ooh. metal uh, uh yeah i like the corrugated metal that's very america right there i'll, I'll give them that like all day long the the booths was, are very a uh, very uh diner-esque i i can appreciate that there's a cow the paper towels the, other side. the paper towels the paper towels yeah. on the other side. dude that is so american like if you go to most barbecue joints in america that is exactly what they're gonna have oh cool okay um there was a woman uh sat right in front of the uh the, the cow skull thing like the rocks logo uh that i really mm-hmm. wanted to take a picture of but i didn't want to walk up to some random lady and be like 
Thank you, and walk off. Oi, cunt, move. <laughs> yeah. Um, What's that? So What's we've that? got the open char grill pit there. It looks oh. amazing. So the, the, the flame sticks out of it. So it, it, during the night, it looks amazing. Um, that's, that's a really nice table to sit at. That's and they have the popcorn. This one's a bit blurry. They have the popcorn machine in the corner there. They give you a popcorn, the complimentary as you come in. Hickory's oh, there. all right. Yeah. That's that's a very American thing too. Like if I go into most uh, hardware stores in America, um, Ace Hardware being the most famous one, my wife used to drag me in there all the time because she, her and her dad used to get free popcorn all the time. He'd go and get things to fix up the house, and she'd get free popcorn. So she loves uh, that type of thing. That's exactly what they would do. They they give you something like that because it's very cheap, it's very effective, and it's good. Everyone loves popcorn. Yeah, and this is the food. Um, Ooh, okay, so this is a brisket. Right. This is there's two slices of brisket, so a big, big bit of fat there on there as well. If you like that, pickles love that. on the bed of onions. There's coleslaw there in the corner, and a big, again, metal bowl of of a salad. And what's barbecue. with you fucks in the metal bowls? Like that is I, just I, that's the second. That place, is isn't not. It? Yeah. Okay. So that is the second place, and I don't. I've been to a lot of barbecue joints, and I don't see that. That's not something I see. The pickle on the bed of onions, not so much. That brisket's perfect. That brisket yeah. is exactly how you get your brisket. And that coleslaw looks – I wish you could show me a little more of that coleslaw. I don't see any uh, any carrots in it. That's the only thing I'm not seeing. Yeah, it, it's very it, much a white – I don't have any more. I was like, okay, one one nice picture of the food would be all right, obviously. It's, um, it's like – and it, okay, so with the food oh. – they're almost trying too hard. Like that, and let me back that up by saying I love the way that brisket looks. I I would eat the fuck out of that brisket, but it like a little pail nice. of barbecue sauce, not needed. They would just come in a little plastic cup. We're not that, but I understand what they're going for is because you guys aren't Americans. They're really trying to like emphasize, like look how dirty these fucks are. <laughs> they put their fucking barbecue sauce in pails, those bastards. Uh, there's another picture of the food. I'm gonna grab now it. very quickly. Um, okay, I love I love the how food we- here. It's amazing. Was the like, coleslaw vinegar sauce or cream sauce based? I have no idea. Can't tell. Was it a mayonnaise? Had... Yeah, I don't know. Okay. I, I just ate it. I was just kind of like, "Yeah, this is coleslaw. I enjoy coleslaw. Give me coleslaw. Give me more." I had two actually. Well, this cat doesn't like coleslaw. Okay, so. Hickory's, if you're listening, <clears throat> what you need to do is you need to pay for a plane ticket for me to get out there, and I'll come grade your restaurant for you. <laughs> uh, okay, so the the paper argument still stands. By the way, with Hickory's, don't fuck, put put paper underneath my food. But at the same time, it was a small piece of paper that I could move to one side or just ignore, and it had that that chopping board there for me to use, which was so much better. Um, so yes, they that's, they do. That's very that's very upper crust um, barbecue joint because most places. To just give you a plastic tray they're far easier to clean like do you know how hard it is to clean those those wooden boards dude and clean them properly without getting any bacteria or like other bullshit in there they're that, so man. hard to... don't, don't... well no no, no. I'm, I'm sure they do a good job i'm not saying they do a bad yeah. job i'm just saying like in america we're much lazier than that we're like no plastic tray so hickory's very good i really enjoyed the food um lot i mean like the salad was great uh, I, I, I tipped up my salad bowl and just made a mess because I thought it'd just be spit on the, <laughs> and it would roll all off my chopping board. So, this is what Tom would do. He rolled the fucking salad. Sorry like, to any bus boys that um, you may have had to clean up my mess. I did try my best afterwards to clean up my So how does it score uh, for you out of five for Americanization, Americanism? Dude, I'd give that a solid four. Easily. That that was very American. Like once again, like little itty bitty things like the barbecue sauce and stuff like that. That's trying too hard. The pickle's a little strange, but I mean, not the pickle itself, but the pickle on the onions. But other than that, dude, everything else is so American. Like an upper crust uh barbecue restaurant is exactly what that would be in America. And I, I can appreciate that. I applaud them for that. That's excellent. 
Amazing, amazing. Um, uh, you know, I love Hickory's, and we will be there for Super Bowl again. I guarantee. Oh, uh-huh, will you? You know who also there. could be there if Hickory's wanted to pay for Tom Bruner to come over there, and he can be there too. <laughs> Anyways, uh, you can literally drive next- to Super Bowl. I can't, so you can literally go there. I cannot. Take a few days. Where do you think Super Bowl takes place? I live in Vermont, brother. I, yeah, I don't live anywhere near where they're in fucking New Mexico. You can still drive. It might take you a few days, but like you can I still get there. I can't go to New Mexico. It's too close to Garrett. He'd kill me. <laughs> right okay let's uh get ready to get the fuck out of here like guys yeah, uh, this has been a, i can't believe we just spoke to carol baskin uh please like and share this if you're on youtube make sure you hit that subscribe button if you don't i'm going to command your house and make sure you do uh yeah we could be polite about it or we can't i mean it's up to you do it I mean, yeah, yeah subscribe. it's true it's true okay. we're gonna have to do that jay and some bob thing we just show up are you Cockknocker69. Fucking, did you not hit that subscribe bell? How many people want to kick some ass? Da, da, da. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's tell people about the, the other shows we've got, uh, Tom. Oh, shit. Thank you for mentioning such things. Um, we have this amazing show. This is What's the Difference podcast yeah, with me, Tom Bruno, and Alex Whiteley right across the table from me. It is an amazing podcast where we bring on crazy guests. Not crazy, but crazy, amazing guests like Carol Baskins fucking or, um, you know, what? George McFly, you know, number two, number three, um, or Niall McCann. We bring everybody on. We don't give a fuck. We talk to everybody from all walks of life. And if we learned anything from our last conversation, you can't just because something sensationalized does not mean it's true. And we got to the bomb in that, like journalists. Um, There's also um, You Suck Chronicles with Jamie Westwood and Tom Stevens. Um, They just barely had Noel McKeel. He is the bear in the big blue house. Um, Very, very interesting interview. Uh, A couple of best friends that have been best friends for the longest time. In fact, if you saw a picture of Tom that he posted not too long ago, James passed out near his toilet. Excellent <laughs> shot. Um, and they bring on guests and they just talk to anyone from all walks of life as well. That's what we're all about in this fucking network. We want to get to the bottom of things. Speaking of getting the bottom of things, um, if you want to get to the bottom of a batch of crazy, check out Wednesday Night Live every single Wednesday night at uh, 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or 9 p.m. fucking yeah, UK time. Yeah, I finally learned the times, um, which is a bunch of you suckers uh, get together and we talk to our familiars and we just kind of bullshit about whatever the fuck we want to. And we have a good time like we're down at the pub, like we're a bunch of friends. And I hope you're enjoying our newest show on the network, Yelling at Clouds, with the amazing Eric Fluger and Alex Whitesley. Eric Fluger is an amazing artist. You might recognize him from such things as Hollywood Babylon or anything Smodco. And if you do recognize that, you know, it's probably because you're friends of ours as well. And guess what? He has a podcast. Podcast now. He is one of the most smartest gentlemen that we ever heard. Mm. And I, I've yet to hear the latest episode, but I'm telling you right now, if it's anything like, you know, Eric himself, I bet you it's fucking phenomenal. So definitely check that out. And all these wonderful shows can be found on our website, which is yousucknetwork.com. Hey guys, if you like any of the shows that we have, we have a house for it all. We have a home. We keep it all in the same basket. It's yousucknetwork.com. It is an amazing website. You should definitely go out there, tell your friends about it, tell your grandmother, tell everybody about it, because guess what? We need some help. Um, and guess what? This website was built for us by the good people over at weborchard.com. Hey guys, if you like our website, if you think it's cool, if you think it's smooth, if you think it's bad, ass guess what we didn't build it fucking web orchard did for us the good people like uh pete white um we are not that skilled alex is a very skilled gentleman but guess what even him he was like oh my god i can't do this how do i and pete white is like i got you bro 
So he took like the, all these little things and he fucking crammed it together and then also websites. And um, that's what they do over there. Webwatch.com. If you have an OnlyFans, if you have pictures of your cats, if you sell things on Etsy, you need a better online presence because social media will never be enough. It might feel like enough, but it's not. You need to be serious about your wares or yourself. And that's where a website comes in. So if you are looking to be a more serious person, then you need to go to Webwatch.com and drop our name. Be like, hey, you suck boys sent me and by the way um all this stuff is all great and good but guess what there's something even better coming up and i'm gonna leave it, leave it to my good friend mr alex whiteley to tell you about the charity event that's coming up yeah uh and we do need a lot of help with this uh obviously we you guys will know we've been talking about this 24 hour podcast challenge well we've been branded now by the beautiful bastards at reach um uh, they have branded us Pod aid uh, and it, the, all these graphics and everything that they, you're seeing right now has all come from Reach. They're fantastic at what they do, um, and it's Pod aid in aid of Lincoln Davis. Hashtag chatting for charity, and as you see, they're sponsored by Reach Media. So on the uh, at nine a.m. on the 29th of September, um, we are going to be going live. Uh, we're not going to stop until nine a.m. on the 30th. Of September, uh, we're going to be going live for 24 hours. Uh, we have a, a venue thanks to Shrewsbury Town, the community. They're going to be letting us use their Reach Community Hub. So thank you guys for that. Uh, we have obviously our main sp- uh, sponsor in Reach. We have a website thanks to Web Orchard. Uh, we have lots and lots of support coming in, uh, but we need some more. Obviously, we're, we're trying to sell uh, sponsored hours, and, and our, an hour is 100 100 pounds or 140 dollars. 40 American. Uh, American, yeah. Um, so if you if you want to sponsor an hour, what you will receive is this hour is brought to you by Tom Bruno, and we will display your graphics. We can play trailers, and you can have that hour, uh, and you'll be helping um, Lincoln Davis with a great uh, it's a great cause. And if we sell twenty four hours at one hundred pounds each, that's two thousand four hundred pounds just in corporate sponsors alone. Never mind the text to donate service we got. Never mind the uh, the, the only fans on said then. That's not right. <laughs> the just giving <laughs> the just giving page. So we look to be doing really well, and we're also looking for local artists. It's not to be local, uh, but if you've got something to donate uh, through through September uh, from the first. Right through to the uh, the 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 uh, the event, uh, Ling and Davis are going to do a month long auction. So we're looking for artists, uh, celebrities. If you've got something that that people will want, and you can put into the auction, please get in contact with us. And you can get in contact in contact with us at the website, which is yousucknetwork uh, dot com. There's a contact us thing there, or go to our email, which is yousuckglobal at gmail dot com. This thing is going to be huge. It's going to be amazing. So please. Right, we've rambled for ages and ages and ages and ages I'm, and ages. I'm exhausted. Uh, Let's get the fuck out of here. Carol Baskin, thank you so much for coming on our show. It was really nice speaking to you. And I hope we've helped you guys because I, I did see some negative comments. They're kind of like, oh, I don't know what to do about this. If I hope we've changed your mind and I hope we, you actually enjoyed the interview because I feel like we did all right. I, well done, Tom. Yeah, yeah. Hey, well done to you, dude. Once again, we were really like, what the fuck do we do about this? And we're like, we didn't even think it was going to happen. So, hey, yay. Let's go blow each other afterwards. Yes, absolutely. Right, you guys have been absolutely fantastic. Uh, Thank you for listening. Uh, This has been What's the Difference Podcast. I'm Alex Whiteley. And I am Tom Bruno. Let's get the fuck out of here. When it comes to culture either side of the Atlantic, no one does it better. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you You Sucks What's the Difference Podcast with Alex Whiteley and Tom Bruno.